Welcome to the True Logic, the podcast edition, the place where we talk about trends, news, and insights for businesses and individuals who want to succeed in digital marketing. Join our host, SEO expert and certified mama's boy, Burn Sun Wan, as he gives you insights on digital marketing fundamentals, tips and best practices, and easy conversations with industry experts about the latest trends and happenings in the digital world. Let's get started. Web3 is coming. So what's all the hype about Web3? And, you know, this is going to be one of those rant-rave episodes because, you know, I'm going to rant and I'm going to rave. Some of these things genuinely have me excited. And some of these things are, you know, I'm going to buzzword kill them because I hate buzzwords. So talk to most people that write or cover the Web3 and you'll get a lot of buzzwords like decentralized, blockchain, privacy, AI, intelligence. You know, but what do these mean and what do these mean to you? So today, I thought I'd help you out by dipping our toes. We're not going to deep dive. We're going to dip our toes into Web3. And I'll try to help you understand what's coming and why you should care. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of the True Logic DX podcast. And today, we're going to talk about Web3 is coming. Right? So how many of you guys have used Siri, Hey Google, Alexa, and all of the other assistants, you know, like Cortana? Now, let me modify that question and, you know, keep that question in your head for a while. How many of you guys have used Siri, Hey Google, Alexa, Cortana? And the modification to that question is, how many of you guys find Siri, Google, Alexa, Cortana essential to your everyday activities? Right? How many of these tools or assistants boost your productivity? I will dare to guess that very few of you, if any, will say that these are essential to your daily life. And I will also argue that's probably because they were probably very well ahead of their time, right? So the next evolution of the internet has been dubbed Web3. And in this toe-dipping episode, I'm going to try to help you understand the basics of what it is and some practical applications for, for businesses. So let's get started. What is Web3? So because this is a Web3 episode, we're going to do a, an internet time machine, right? So we're also going to talk about Web2 just so that you can distinguish it a bit. But also in the spirit of being Web3, I thought I'd use a Web3 technology to help us out, right? So enter ChatGPT, like one of my new favorite toys. So I asked ChatGPT to describe what Web3 is in a nutshell, and it came back with this description. Web3 is the next evolution of the internet in which the emphasis is on creating decentralized and a more intelligent web. It aims to give users more control over their data, enabling them to share and monetize it as they see fit. It also aims to create a more intelligent web that can understand context and intent, making it easier for users to find the information they need. Web3 technologies such as the blockchain and AI are being developed to make this vision a reality, right? So that was ChatGPT's definition of Web3 in a nutshell. And, you know, I hear you. I hear you, right? As soon as I mentioned the term blockchain, I know some of you guys got excited. You know, if you are a bro, you probably got excited. But, but some of you guys, and rightly so, 
would have had your red flags up the moment I the moment I, I mentioned that term. So you know, hold your horses. So the keywords to understand as the hallmark of Web3 are decentralization and intelligence. Now, before I dive into those, you know, oh, isn't the web already decentralized? Oh, isn't, you know, privacy already an element of on the web? Oh, isn't AI already on the web? Might be a good opportunity to break down what Web2 did for us, right? Because there's really, we didn't really cross a date into, you know, the internet new year and where we left Web1 and went into Web2, right? So for some of you guys, you might even be thinking, there was a Web2? <laughs> I didn't even know, right? So what was Web2? What's the era we're in that we are leaving behind and ushering in Web3? So Web2 happened around the late 90s and the early 2000s, right? Yes, the internet does not evolve on a specific date. And if I were to describe Web2 in, in the best possible way, I would call it the user's web, right? Prior to Web2, so we're talking Web1, there really was no content you produced could be published online in real time, right? Like anything that went online had to have the hand of a programmer, had to have the hand of a developer, had to have the hand of an IT person. So, you know, you couldn't publish anything without the help of a friendly neighborhood dev on your side. Web2 changed that, right? The reason it's called the user's web is because the reason you're able to drag and drop elements from your desktop to your browser is because of Web2. The ability to leave comments on content you really like is because of Web2. The ability to put posts on Facebook, upload videos, create a YouTube channel, uh, blog, right, which was a topic we discussed with Vince uh, a couple of episodes back. All of these are Web 2.0 technologies. Uh, I will even argue, if you've got a job that enables you to work from home today, that is only possible because of Web 2. Without Web 2's technology, you would have to go back to an office because the office is the, is the place that has the infrastructure for you to do your IT-enabled job, right? So there's a bunch of stuff, right? Like uh, MySpace is a, a direct result of Web2. Blogspot and Blogger are direct, are direct results of Web2. Facebook is a direct result of Web2. And, you know, Web2 is sort of marked by a lot of free stuff, right? What did you pay? to perform a Google search. Nothing, right? Google searches are free. When was the last time you paid your subscription to, to Facebook? Never, right? Facebook subscriptions, your Facebook account is free. And all that jazz, there's a lot of stuff that was free. And I think the major disadvantage that got ushered in by Web2 though, is that it did favor large centralized computing power, right? Amazon, Google, Facebook, all of these brands are only possible because of Web2. And the downside is that our data got monetized and got concentrated on the hands of a powerful few, right? Now, now let's talk Web3. Now let's go back to Web3. So I hope I gave you guys a good summary of what Web2 is. So I read ChatGPT's definition of what Web3 is. Let's talk about the, the keywords and the, the first characteristic of, of Web3.0 intelligence like the the biggest difference between web 2 and web 3 is intelligence i'm not sure if you guys have been paying attention to the technology improvements on the internet but search results today are significantly better 
more contextualized, more relevant than they were 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, right? And this is the Google algorithm evolving. And I, I think uh, I've already mentioned, and for those of you that have ever attended my lecture, I've told you guys about spam brain and rank brain and all the AIs that Google uses to improve search results. This is, an, this is the emerging technology that enables Web3, right? It becomes more intelligent, more contextualized. If you're logged in, it becomes more personalized. I think the best example of an emerging technology to support Web3 is ChatGPT, right? And I, I mentioned it earlier. If you guys are on Facebook, you may have heard about it. If you guys are on Twitter, you may have heard about it. But ChatGPT is a great example. And it's not even the best that Web3 will have to offer. If anything, ChatGPT is a foundational technology for Web3. So what I imagine ChatGPT will become is it probably will behave as the large fundamental basic data set trained AI. And what brands and startups and other businesses will have to do is that they will have to work on the last mile of AI to fit their intelligence requirements to the needs of their customers, right? Okay, so, so that was a mouthful. That was a mouthful. What do I mean? So let's take the Internet of Things as an example, right? Uh, like as an example to the application of, of Web3. So think of a smart home, right? So the Internet of Things. And right now, they're not really smart, right? Like they're not really smart. I would say the best definition is they're either online or they're programmable. But you know, they're not really smart. So what I would imagine ChatGPT is, is it creates an interface between you and your home devices. And then it would be up to the companies that create these home devices to develop the last mile of intelligence that monitors your personal habits, the, the time you arrive in the day, the one that keeps track of your fridge temperature, turns on your climate control on and off, decides on the best strategy that helps you conserve energy in your home, opens your garage at the right time, and so on and so forth, right? Like, so ChatGPT will not enable those. It will enable the basic technology for your home to understand you, but the technology that understands or that learns from your behavior will have to, that last mile bit of AI has to be developed by the company developing the smart home. So that's one example. I'll give you guys a, a simpler example. Let's do white collar work. Imagine a law firm. And let's say if you were a particularly forward looking law firm, let's say, you wouldn't need to build an AI assistant from scratch. What you would do is you would utilize ChatGPT as your foundational AI, and then you train your own AI on Philippine laws, on Philippine case law, on precedents, on historical rulings, whether those are by trial courts or whether those are by the, the Supreme Court. And what you would get, ChatGPT being 90%, the interface between you and your assistant, and the 10% AI, like in terms of the history of case law in the Philippines. And what you'd get is a legal assistant, right? No humans required. So ChatGPT will not become your legal assistant. You you sort of craft ChatGPT to become a legal assistant by training it with the correct data set. Okay, so this is the intelligence bit of Web3. Let's talk about the privacy bit of Web3. So the next trade of Web3.0 is, is privacy. 
So, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is enabled by the blockchain. Uh, but I'll dive into two specific technologies just so that you guys can sort of break this apart, right? Like, the, there are two pieces of technology that will allow Web3 to protect your privacy, to protect your identity, to prevent, you know, bad players from being able to monetize your data. So one of them is called an SSI. It's short for self-sovereign identity. And the other one is called the DID or decentralized identifiers. What SSIs and DIDs are, are replacements to the ad IDs that you guys are leaving all over the place or the mobile ad IDs or the mobile ad identifiers that you guys are also leaving <laughs> all over the place. Imagine this application as a feature in a browser. Like one of the things that I would imagine enable this like right off the bat is Firefox, right? Like Firefox is a more private browser than Chrome. But one of the browsers that I imagine this would come default in would be Firefox. But for browsers that this doesn't come default in, I would also imagine it being enabled as an extension, right? And in short, if you have this extension on, it prevents websites from dropping third-party trackers, third-party cookies onto your browser and track your behavior, track your location, track your IDs, and then so on and so forth. If a user visits a website that supports SSI and DID, the browser is automatically compatible to GDPR, to privacy laws, right? And therefore, you sort of get rid of that primitive pop-up that says, I agree, and where 90% of the time, that's the only thing you can do anyway, right? But the browser would automatically generate a digital identity for the user represented by a DID or an SSI that automatically authenticates you and doesn't ask, do you accept or not accept the cookies that are used on that site? The SSI and the DID will take care of that for you. So it'll automatically make you compliant to GDPR and other privacy laws. And most importantly, it gives you the ability to regulate who has access to your data. Now, what does that look like? And I think the best way to explain this is if you're an iPhone user, then you sort of already know what I'm talking about, right? Like think of the SSI and the DID feature as the same privacy feature on Apple's iOS 14.5, right? Meaning it will notify you what access, what, what access, what tracking a website or an application wants to do whether you want to give it permission, whether you only want to allow it once. And in short, everybody asks for your permission to access your data frequently, often. And so you, you get a say in terms of what kind of data do you want to share and what kind of data do you want to keep private, okay? So this is the, the privacy piece. Now, the other piece is decentralization. One of the biggest disadvantages I mentioned when it came to Web2 was that, you know, Google probably knows more about you than your mom. Amazon probably knows more about you than your spouse. And Facebook probably knows more about you than your friends or your mom or your spouse <laughs> if you're on Facebook, right? So decentralization, this is the blockchain piece of Web3. Uh, and, and, you know, blockchain is not about you know Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatnot. Those guys just built that on this technology. But imagine blockchain as instead of all of your data on Amazon's cloud, on Google's mainframe, or on Facebook that Facebook's database, your information is spread across thousands of different encrypted ledgers across the web, powered by 
hundreds if not thousands of independent GPUs that are all connected to the internet forming a virtual cloud, right? So here's the rub, right? And this is why I'm saying Web3 is coming, not Web3 is here, right? Web3 is coming because the technologies that support Web3 are still in their infancy, right? ChatGPT is great. It's terrific that it can do a bunch of stuff, but it can't do everything that you need, right? It's sort of like a Siri++ or a or a Hey Google++. It can write code. I think that's terrific. But I think blockchain technology in itself can only process a few transactions per second, right? Visa and MasterCard can, can process hundreds of thousands of transactions per second. So I guess what I'm saying is the technology is not here. The technology for Web3 is in development. So what's in it for you? I think the best way to imagine what Web3 will be to most of us is think of a computer, think of the computer on Star Trek, right? Like if you guys have seen an episode of The Next Generation, if you guys have, have seen Voyager, Discovery, where they talk to their computers, they make a query, they ask it to execute. Imagine that. That is what Web3 is in its most practical state. It isn't here, but it is coming, right? And anything, any description beyond this, I think you should take with a grain of salt because Web3 is fast becoming a buzzword. So, last thoughts. In terms of application, there is an, Web3 has an application on competition. It's essentially bye-bye tech giant monopolies, right? Or at least tech giant monopolies on your data. Goodbye tech monopoly info uh, monopolies on your data. So this is one application. The next one, privacy for users, you will now know who you give permission to for your data and who you do not, right? Like, so control over your information, your data, who gets to show you what kind of content and who doesn't get to show you what kind of content. For brands, I think brands have the opportunity to be very customer-centric with Web3 by enabling SSI and DID as an example, right? Imagine you were a bank or an e-commerce company. The first benefit is, by enabling, by being compatible, by enabling SSI uh, and DIDs on your website, you no longer need to subject your users to that pesky, I agree, pop-up just to comply with privacy rules in the Philippines, right? That's one. Next, imagine your ability, imagine your ability to build loyalty. And I would not underestimate this. I have on more than one occasion thought about moving to Android from the iPhone, like several times. But the reason I've been on, on the iPhone ever since contemplating that was because of the privacy feature. The privacy feature has essentially extended my loyalty time to, to Apple for another four years, right? So, so don't underestimate the power of loyalty. What you can do here is brag that you genuinely care about your user's security and their privacy, and you declare to them that you use these technologies because it's for their benefit. Right? I, I think the only downside to Web3 is that A, it's not here yet, right? Like it's really not here yet. The adoption will not be very fast because there is big technology as its foundation. And, you know, it will take a while, right? In the same way that Web2 got ushered in in the late 90s to the early 2000s, and it was sort of like the mid 2000s by the time people started adopting it in full. Right, when people started getting more comfortable being on mobile, we're on Facebook, we're on MySpace, started blogging. This is when Web2 really uh, came in on its own. Web3 will take its time, 
right? So Web3 is coming. That's how I begin and end this, this episode. And so I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did making it for you. Thank you for joining us again for the True Logic DX podcast. Give us a shout out on social media. If you have people you want us to talk to or if there are topics you'd like us to cover. And don't forget to subscribe to the True Logic DX podcast. Thank you to our friends at Pod Machine for continuing to power us. I will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the True Logic DX podcast, an audio production show for people who want to take their digital marketing game to the next level. True Logic DX is powered by Pod Machine. If you enjoyed today's episode, follow at True Logic on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Check out our website at www.truelogic.com.ph for more information on digital marketing. And make sure to catch our upcoming episodes on your favorite podcast network. Until next time, 